What's good, y'all? Welcome back. I'm so happy to have one of my good friends on here today. I've known this guy for several years. This man is an impressive person to sit here and listen to. He's frankly, in real business settings, he's a young guy. But for his title, he's even younger. <laughs> and that's what makes him so freaking impressive. And his story mixed with the information he's going to be able to provide for you to just break down how he actually got to where he is now and the things that you can learn about his specific profession. Frankly, because it's not a, I have literally never heard a single person say, I want to do that job. But guess what? That job is impacting so many, so many other people's jobs. So to not know about that job, especially if you have the skill set, the desires, the interests related to that, you might be missing out. So today, let's get that introduction. Let's get that awareness built through this conversation. And uh, with that being said, man, what's up, Alou? What's going on, Mario? Thanks for having me and uh, pointing out my youth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, sometimes you got to just appreciate it. I know that uh, they say if, if, you, if you are frustrated with being young, give it time. Yeah. <laughs> if you're frustrated being young give it time and as a person who uh, no longer gets to enjoy those years of saying i'm in i'm in my my, my 20s <laughs> i definitely will say just uh shut up and accept it because yeah i got a few more years so hey we'll, we'll uh we'll ride with the journey i did so much work to look rough and rugged with my hair growing out so i look older when i did my job which it did help because people did think that, but you could still see, like, dude, face is is, is young. Like, <laughs> so it really didn't help as much as I as I thought it did. But it took about four years off when I cut the hair off. But nonetheless, uh, so first question is always, do you like your job, man? Yeah, I love my job. So for those of you who don't know, I'm vice president. Not say what your job is yet. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I saw it coming. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I thought, you know, that's when you get into the role. It's like, you got to say what you do. What you do. I, know, I, know, say, no, I, like I make them wait on that because they, right. because people hear everybody talking about jobs and yeah. usually they hate Mondays. So the most important thing, if yeah. you hate your Mondays, yeah. if you hate your Mondays, yeah. it doesn't matter what his job is. Why? Because right. he like his. Right. So you can at least hear from the person who likes theirs first. And then yeah. you can figure out what the role is so you can maybe fill that role. So we start right yeah. there first, yeah. Yeah. all right? <laughs> now, I, I really do like my job for the simple fact it lets me get Mondays out the way. So, um, and what I do, I get to control my own schedule for the for the most part. Sorry, that's the side, that's my side company phone. See, you don't, my bad. don't have that. Usually don't check that one. Anyways, no, I do, but you know, you gotta keep it on. Not mute. So Mondays allows me to just really go in and plan my plan my week out. I usually get all the administrative things um, done. So it's really one of those things. I'm in the service industry. I help organizations. So being able to meet new challenges every week and kind of just, you know, pulling out my week and, hey, just get up and know that, hey, I have, I have meetings on this week, Monday, Tuesday, but how am I going to attack Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? What am I going to do for these six hours? How am I going to prove myself? And I always challenging myself. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, I definitely don't take it for granted because as a former athlete and anyone that's competitive, it's one of those things where if you're not sharpening the blade, if you're not getting better, if you're not meeting someone new, if I'm not always constantly on the move, then I get no results. So I have to go out and hunt what I kill, but also, uh, you know, kind of increase brand awareness into what I do and just do 
a lot of different fun little things that ultimately lead me to being successful. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So let's, let's, let's stay in the area where we're not necessarily all on the business yet. Why? Because I need to know what was that first profession that you ever wanted to have? Like what's the first profession you remember wanting to have as a youth? First profession I ever wanted to have was like an investment banker, a Wall Street banker, baby. You come over, listen, so my story, I came over to the United States when I was uh, in 2002, shortly after 9-11. So 9-11 happened in September 2002. We came over in February as well. Things barely got in. My parents were already here. First place we touched down in was in New York. You come from Senegal, New York, in a Greyhound. You just see all these lights. I, mean, I literally remember coming up from under a tunnel and you just get blinded by all, there's nothing like New York ever in the world, right? So you get blinded by all these lights, you get to learn about Wall Street, you're growing up, you're like, and I had an interest in, in, the, in the financial, you know, I grew up during a financial crash and just get to understand how the economy affected us. That kind of sparked my interest and how it affected me personally. So that's when I decided really, I wanted to go into investment banking. Into, uh, I knew I always wanted to be a businessman or what we call back home a jacket, meaning someone who always sells something, right? So my people are very, are known for that. We're always selling something back home, always hustling. So I just wanted to do that um, in the United States. That's pretty cool, man. I, I, that's that's interesting. I I think that's definitely reflective of you being in New York, coming from a different country at the same time. Because it's like they're, they're, your 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 country probably was hyping up America. Um, <laughs> talking about there was this big bright lights and the streets are paved with gold and then you go into New York and then you realize the streets ain't gold but the lights are so bright that it makes the street glow <laughs> and you're like what is dirty they stink you know <laughs> bombs everywhere you don't see it though you just see you just get blinded by the glow the vision that's that's the part of the mystique of America man don't worry about the stuff down here when you look at the top it, it, it's higher than anywhere else in the world. That, that's a fact, man. So. Yeah, and, and then you came to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, before that, you went to Central State. And there's no, 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 shot, of State. There's no, yeah, no, no shot of Central State. I'm just talking about the area. You come, it's yeah. like, oh, it ain't a lot of stuff around here, huh? Yeah, a little, a little, little different in, in New York. That, you know, most people, if you're asking back home, they only know about New York, L.A., you know. Not really Florida, so maybe a few Midwesterns, man. We found our way to Cincinnati, so. Okay, so what made you no longer want to do that? Was there something, was it that you didn't want to do it or did you just have an opportunity that came about that switched you from maybe pursuing that? I think it just, it was a little bit of both. Um, if I was gonna lean on one thing, I would say it was gonna be more on the opportunity side and how I saw it was still a fit for all of my personal goals um, and just having trust in some mentors. But obviously with the financial crash and just um, some of the practices of Wall Street, there is, there is a component of doing that type of job that where it does cause, you know, I don't wanna say sleepless nights, but um, it's a very competitive environment, very cutthroat environment. And ultimately, there are a lot of things that in those type of regulations that are not caught that it forces you as an individual to make decisions that are not always best for people and yourself. Yeah, let's go ahead and mute that. 
Yeah, I'm just getting blown up over here. My bad. You just hit the mute button now. Yeah, this this never never happens. I'm always the guy telling people to meet new people. And when it, I, I think you just caught me. We just started talking before. But yeah, I just didn't want to do it anymore because it, it was a type of environment where it was very stuffy. Um, it was a it was very, you know, uh, I didn't feel like it was a very open environment. That's not necessarily saying that where I'm at now is. Um, I just did some internships at some major banks. It just wasn't going to be an environment where I felt like it was going to be best fit for me to grow and utilize my skills um, to win. So that being said, ended up going to Central State University, um, had an opportunity that popped up. And like I said, intern at the organ at, at at my previous organization, got to know a little bit more about insurance and insurance brokerage. And um, just, it was it was a pivotal shift where I could still be in the professional services, but I could help organizations help their people. And I think the people aspect of it was one that was more intriguing um, to be able to change people's lives through the, their work I do, rather than just, you know, on the monetary and money side, um, that just wasn't gonna be something that, that was gonna drive me every day. I got you. Well, I mean, that's good to know about yourself and to especially to have awareness. It sounds like you had um, some real experiences out there that allowed you to make a clear understanding, a clear decision in the process of uh, getting to where you are. So with that, man, all right, I drug it out. Go ahead, break down what your actual title is officially and explain what it actually means not just because people hear titles and they try to act like they know what it is it's about to like that because you the first two letters of your your title can draw attention so let's just throw yeah. that you can say the whole thing but be clear about what it actually means no i'm not braggadocious i, I like to talk about what it means rather than, than the title man you just hear well, still say the title <laughs> yeah so i'm vice president of employee health and benefits at marsh and mclennan so I work for the Marshall Lennon is the world's biggest uh, insurance brokerage, risk management and professional services firm. So essentially what we do is we help organizations manage their benefits, their property and casualty, their risk management and all various aspects of their insurance brokerage. So we do not provide the insurance, we're the consultants. So you have a business here at NED, let's say it's a manufacturing organization and they have to get, get insurance, right? So. They can't go out and just say, hey, so-and-so provide us insurance. They need a consultant and someone to speak on their behalf in order to manage their insurance program. And that's essentially where folks like myself and my 44 other thousand uh, other colleagues, that's what we do, that's what we specialize in. Um, so basically what I do, I'm in, I'm in sales. I'm responsible for growing a book of business primarily in the manufacturing and healthcare space. Uh, been in the industry for about four years. So I talk to decision makers, CFOs, CEOs, um, directors of HRs every day and basically articulate our business case and the tools and resources and proprietary information that we can help them manage their, uh, manage their program. So I, one of the favorite things I like to say, right, we were talking about why I didn't want to do uh, <laughs> Well, I didn't necessarily want to wanted to do investment banking, but then I came over to a broker grow. Well, it's, it's cutthroat environment as well. So every organization, right, already has their consultant. So one of the one of my favorite sayings is, it's like you're going to uh, you're a single guy, which I am. You're going to a, a a marriage, like whatever, a marriage dance, and you're trying to come out there with someone's wife, right? And that is essentially my job. I'm trying to get someone uh, fired, uh, their consultant, by articulating my business position and, and the value that 
I myself can bring to their player management and our organization as a whole can uh, help them manage their people and their benefits. Yeah. Okay. So long story short, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase <laughs> I'm gonna rephrase what you said. Please, you know you get into the get get industry talk too much, you, you kind of gets a little little mumble. My my guy is a little bit more cutthroat, man. He he who he got straight to it. Like I'm I'm let's say it differently. What you're trying to do is allow someone to see a greater opportunity with yourself and allow them to make a better decision than what they currently are making mm-hmm. and allowing that person who is currently providing them with something that's subpar to go, go find somebody else who may need that service mm-hmm. because it's better for them. That's right. essentially what you're doing. Sometimes the older guy, uh, <laughs> the older friend has to remind the younger friend exactly uh, what they're doing and how to change the wording. That's, that's what you're seeing right here. <laughs> life better and somebody's right. job easier through right. what he's doing which is just in life you got to cut people off when you see that relationships aren't necessarily yeah, the difference. I'm, I'm just here to help them move it along you know we all know they weren't providing good service it wasn't good they weren't attentive the the data and analytics was not good you know you need a young stud to bring on i'm just a little more aggressive with it just like you said you're you're a little bit more uh more relaxed you know you got more of the finesse executive that's why i'm, st- I'm still down here yeah i'm not the executive level talking yeah whatever so <laughs> this is what i tell y'all what, what, what y'all clearly are seeing right now also is that one of the first skills you need is to be highly competitive in this industry because i feel like his peers aren't going to take that personal they're already trying to beat the crap out of him at the exact same time to win and keep their customers or take his customers just like he's trying to take theirs so it ain't nothing personal. It's just all about winning and being the best and having that type of competitive energy uh, that's going to allow you to take it to another level. Now, you also have to recognize who we're talking to. We didn't say this, but we're going to bring it up now. We're talking to a collegiate football player. So he's going to have a little bit of uh, unnecessary testosterone now that he's no longer <laughs> around humans. He's a huge human, his dang self. And if you ever see a picture of me, him together he laughs and everybody in the pictures laughing because they usually all are extremely tall i'm 5 11 let's be clear but there's never feet because i if y'all ever look at a picture later on and try to act like y'all found something i'm telling you right now i'm always on my toes in these pictures i'm not about to be that short in that picture i'm sorry son it's not happening and they laugh about it i don't care if y'all know but for imagery i refuse to be that short in everything <laughs> Cause I got all these six foot three friends. It's a rap, son. And I know he's way higher than that, but still. You know, that's, a, that's so funny. Cause I was just looking at pictures of uh, what, what was, it was an Urban League event and it was myself, you, uh, Ed, and I think it's Cortland. And I was just reminiscing. I was like, I was really big during that picture, but you look good during that picture too. That's the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Cause you had Cortland looking short. You had Leon like looking just a normal height. And I'm like, nope, watch this. I'm just gonna just gonna stand on my toes. I'd be dang with that. Funny, funny. Um all right, bro. All right. So it's interesting, man, because I think that that's probably allowed you to move ahead in private to have success is just your level level of competitiveness. What skills and and what was it about this profession that's allowed you to be successful as well as be interested in doing it at all? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that was really key for me was finding mentors um, in this field. So other people that looked like me in the field, other people that didn't look like me were just as important who, <laughs> who really wanted to see me succeed. Coming from an HBCU, didn't really know much about insurance uh, or insurance brokerage. Coming from our backgrounds, I think we talked about it a lot. Took me, uh, you know, I had to take the test and it's a pretty standard test. I had to take it four times in order to pass. And I think you know, I've convinced a lot of some of my other friends, one of my best friends, he lives in Florida now, he had to take the test again and over and over again. I think that just comes from the understanding that we don't talk about insurance and basic insurance things in our household every day. We're not sitting down with our parents and going over the bills, um, a lot of us and understanding what those things mean. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of us just stopping when we fail the first time or don't really understand the nuances of this industry. Please. Be clear about what the name of the test was for me. The life and health, life and health uh, test. So, you know, there, there, so in the insurance, there's life and health, there's a CEBS or certified employee benefit specialist or certain specializations on, on our side, then, you know, on the, uh, Financial services, such you have like the series seven, series six, series sixty-six, all those different types of uh, types of tests that one needs to take in order to join these industries. And like I said, even though we do go to school for them, I think the basis of some of these things are set at home and you know just basic understandings. And I think that's causes a lot of us to stop when, in actuality, failing at at, at these tests is okay and it's the normal. Right, it takes three or four times. So some of the skills that I really needed to do, to develop was just being able to find find mentors, um, being able to just ask and seek out help, and being able to learn new things. So I had to just put a, everything that's led me to success right now has been predicated on my abilities to learn new things and put away. You know, it's it's a little different than college. Um, so you just always have to be on your toes. They're always telling you what you need to learn in college or, or in, you know, when you're coming up through school. So when you come up, you just have to really take that onus. You just have to really find people that are willing to help you out and then take on whatever they say, whether that's doing extra projects, going to different events, leading different projects, and really take that onus and diving in in those first three, in my first two to three years of my career has really helped me kind of get to where I needed to go. So my new thing is just, you know, learning how to communicate with C-suite executives, taking the training um, and different things like that, that'll help you get, get to where you, where, you, where you need to go. But some of the minor things is whatever your industry is, just dive in, find people that, that are gonna be passionate for you, people that are gonna pass out knowledge to you and then just take whatever they say and turn it to your own thing. Do me a favor because uh, a common pattern that shows up in these interviews is always the fact that people bring up mentors. And uh, I appreciate you for doing that. Can you point out a specific instance in which you acquired a mentor? This is uh, so that people know exactly how to approach someone. Because frankly, the average person's first mentor is gonna be their parents, of course, whether they acknowledge it or not. Uh, use that's going to be the first one. If you're an athlete or whatnot, it might be a coach. If you're just a student, it might be a teacher uh, that may have gravitated towards you. But as you become a professional, you start looking for somebody who's doing what you you want to do. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very critical to success because it allows your path to be more clear opposed mm -hmm. to you trying to um, pave one 
that already exists and you just didn't know it. So do me a favor and I don't care which mentor and if you don't want to say their name, you don't have to. Um, can you share exactly how you acquired the mentor and more specifically what it was that the mentor did to help you elevate in your professional career or in your personal life? And people talk about how mentors help them personally. I have those same experiences. So it doesn't have to be just solely your job. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we talked about my youth a little bit and uh, 26, turning 27 next month. Um, I think it's one of those things where you we always have to humble ourselves and, and just realize what we don't, what we, what we know and how much we don't know. Um, at no point in my career will I ever think that I'm, I'm a know-it-all. At no point in my career, no matter how many degrees, whatever I get. So it's, it's just having that that groundness and that humility and having the courage to approach someone that is where you want to be and saying, this is who I am. I don't know what your situation is. I would love if you had an extra five, 10 minutes, whatever, lunch every, every month for us to get together and for me to get some advice for you. I think that's the simplest way to, to really get a mentor. And not everyone is, don't take it personally when they say no. What did I, you do? What was that? What was it, that, what specifically did you do to acquire a mentor? Yeah, so I think I'll harken back to, to probably someone who's been my biggest mentor thus far. far. His name is uh, Ronald Todd. He's he, he's a uh, he's a liaison with the with the governor with the governor. Uh, I know right? I know I know brother Todd. Yeah, brother brother Todd. You know he, he's good. he always sharp too. He always sharp. Sharp, sharp. And let me tell you, let me tell you why that's been pivotal for me to grow. I met him about three years ago. Uh, a former city councilman was having uh, an event at the time, and um, he happened to go to my university so we all we all connected all gelled uh, we'll say i was really different. hoping you were going to be general about that so if anyone knows about cincinnati right now we got some real issues with city council and these ain't real shots at any of the city councilmen um that's why i hope he wasn't going to be specific about even the gender in the equation but pretty much lets you know who it was so keep you going. gotta you gotta choose when you know it's a guessing game that's how you know we're in trouble so you can still <laughs> Well, so, they ain't never um, guessed now. <laughs> right, right. So we, we had we had a dinner, man. I, we had a dinner at, at an event. It was just, you know, I was young. This was my first year in. I, I still got the college suits on, man. And Ron, Ron Ty walks up in there, fresh brother. I mean, just looking good, smelling good. You can feel the confidence. He's a big guy. You know, I'm 6'7". He, he's 6'6". Six, six, he's humongous guy. Former football player like myself. Used to be uh, the agent for... Uh, Hugh Douglas for the Eagles. So, you know, just really took me in and, and I was just telling him a little bit more about myself and um, what I was trying to do and what I was trying to, what I was trying to accomplish my first year in. And he just took me under his wing, you know, the little things as far as the Cologne game, sharing the Cologne game with me. So as far as telling me where to go, I'm a big guy. I didn't know where to go. It's my first year. I, I'm barely, you know, making a salary. I don't have enough. He's like, hey, this is where you need to go. This is my guy. Give him a call. So I'm calling his guys. I'm getting suits and everything is upgraded. So it's just, and I constantly just, um, just reach out to him, you know, just, just, Hey, let's go to lunch on me. Always take your mentors out to lunch. Always take your mentors out to lunch. You need that time. 
And it, during the dark times, whatever was going on, he just always kept me grounded. And even now, I talked to him a few weeks ago, and I was like, man, I'm so far behind at 26. I'm like, I am far behind for me. You know what I mean? And for me, I do feel like I'm far behind because there's a lot I want to accomplish within, within my career. God God only gives us so much time, so I'm always against, against the race. And he's like, you know, calm down. You're doing the right things. Keep doing the right things. Um, so it always just, 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 just grounds me to say, man, I, I, I want to be the best version of, of, of me to, to the day I die. You know, that's, that's literally God's on the shoes. That's how my soul's made. But he gives me that direction and, and that guidance to say, hey, take a step back. Because he has that foresight, and not only him, but some of my other mentors, because they have that foresight, um, it just kind of allows me to just kind of put things into perspective and understand, one, I'm not the only person that came from poverty, that came from dirt fields in Africa to, you know, make it over here or that struggled. Whatever the case is, we've all had our struggles. How do how do we navigate those struggles? How do I tell my story? Part of that for me, he's helped really help me understand is like, I need to tell my story. I need to articulate my story more. I need to be more vehement by who I am. And, and like we were talking about a little bit earlier, you know, the story gets deeper for each one of us, I think individually as the layers peel back. But we don't do it any justice if we don't necessarily tell our plight or our story to uh, others who may face similar things and might choose. You know, we've been all been in those vulnerable situations who might choose a different path versus hearing our story and, and choose something that's, you know, that's uh, different. So I think having a mentor is mentors have tremendously changed my life as gives me other people who just really take different perspectives, people who I respect, uh, people on different paths. Um, I think for me, ha having women as, as some of my mentors is definitely key because you can feel the, the I don't want to say the alpha energy, you know, just the the one one sided way I, 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 I think sometimes, right, I'm very go, 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 go. And sometimes, you know, having those different perspectives, especially from, um, you know, like I said, other races and just other different types of people can help really elevate you to the next level. Yeah, man. So you said something that is so important and can be pivotal, pivotal, pivotal. <laughs> I'm struggling with that word right now. Probably um, after Thanksgiving, man. Sorry. Right. Yeah, I know, right? So it's something that can be so pivotal that when you hear it, it can take so much stress, ease so much anxiety. And that was, calm down, man. You're doing it right. I remember having a mentor tell me that when she was like, and it was a she actually in this case, she was like, so what, tell me again, what all, what's your jobs that you've done and what's your current profession? And as I said, she was like, okay, okay. Yeah, man, you're pacing yourself very well. And that was so needed because, you know, some people, they, they tell you certain salaries you need to make by certain ages to be able to reach set certain heights and finance. And when you're a little bit younger and you're falling and you feel like you're not necessarily reaching that height immediately because you just aren't, it, it can it can stress you out. But when you look around the field and realize, oh, I'm, I am ahead of the pack right now. Or it's not even about being ahead of the pack. I'm not really running with the pack. The pack is running with themselves. And I'm running a little bit, maybe a couple steps ahead or a little bit differently than they are, mm -hmm. especially for my age bracket. Mm -hmm. And they're all going to get to where they need to get, which is why we're running. <laughs> but I'm going to potentially get to where I want to get at the pace that I was hoping I would. 
and I just didn't realize it. So I'm like just exhausted. I mean, we we exhaust ourselves. Uh, and actually, I'm gonna bring this up. Uh, there's a, a thing called, and I remember hearing this in grad school, John Henry syndrome. And frankly, black men and, and black folk in general, uh, I don't wanna just put it on black men because I know how hard black women work. So black folk in general, we tend to have John Henry syndrome. And that is, is if you know the, the, the myth, the story about him, and that was he beat the machine on a railroad and, and, and just dropping those nails and boom, and then right after he beat the machine, it was a bet. It was like, can he beat it? Because he was the best. And then the machine was invented. And then he beat the machine. And everyone was proud. But he died at the end. Mm. The problem is, is as many Black folk out here are working really hard because, frankly, the environment forces us to try to show that we're not just a minority hire. We actually were um the person that was qualified for this position and you just don't know it because you don't get enough experience with us and therefore you think that we're getting some type of job just being given to us or handed to us and it's like it's not true this company looks like this because they're hiring people that they know more frequently they don't allow me to be a part of their network so when i'm not a part of their network they don't allow me to join <laughs> this industry and allow me to raise my net worth <laughs> so for those reasons you missed that and we just work so freaking hard and we prove that we're successful and we prove that we we're, we're supposed to be there only for at the end us to die 10 years earlier than our white counterparts because we have so much stress put on us so many paper cuts frequently and so to have someone tell you man hey you're doing it right it might have added another two years to your life. You hear it again, it might add another two years. <laughs> you start to accept it, not just hear it. You might get that 10 years. <laughs> and I think, again, that's why I want to harp on having mentors because we're not the only people who come into these roles, the only Black person in the room. Only, you know, that is, it is what it is, my man. You need to find people that are going to be champions for you and call me now because that that is a thing. That's something I experienced um, at, at my first job. It was just you know working so hard, raising uh, you know increasing the sales, all these other things, just for me to share to ask them for help on some of the things, and they tried to fire me like actively for six months. So I think it was one of those things where we have to do a better job of mentoring each other and just saying, hey, you have to look out for yourself. And that means, first of all, your mental, your mental health and your drive and your stress, making sure that's good. There is no way I would be at this job if it causes me any of that. And I have the foresight and just, you know, to understand my worth and to understand that no job is worth my long-term stress. And I will never let a job control that ever again. I think we were talking about that, you know, uh, a little bit before we got on camera. So I think that we have to just understand how important that is and to, to say, and, and that, that's only, I understand it's important because my mentors have harped on that. You, I must take care of, you know, my family, my mental health things that are important for me because that's what's led to me being great at the job. I wake up every day hungry 
ready to kill the job because everything is stable back home because everybody's doing well because I'm stable myself because they've afforded me the, allow, uh, uh, the ability. So when a job is not doing that, when, it, when you're not in a productive environment, when you're not in a healthy environment, it's time for you to go and it's time for you to just again, have that foresight and have that wherewithal to have mentors that are going to direct you in that, in that moment of time. All right. Uh, so next, I want to discuss the process in which you acquired your job. Before mm -hmm. we get there, I want to say this because people need to hear this. Um, many times they say we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors and it allows us to be a little bit taller. And that's why it's so important to have mentors. And it's also so important to mentor people, to give back, to share, to not be sitting here always trying to prove some stupid, dumb, hazing point of, I had to go through this, so you need to go through all, all of this. It's like, no, 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 you went through all this, so I don't have to. If you tell me in advance exactly what you went through so I can truly show empathy <laughs> and understand what happened with you feel it so i don't actually have to feel it and that way we stand taller that's why people have generational wealth because they're standing on more and more higher higher shoulders mm -hmm. opposed to forcing each generation to start from scratch i get it there's a giving pledge of, the, of some of the billionaires but it don't sound like the majority of billionaires are participating in the giving pledge i know bill gates talks about it and warren buffett and a whole lot of other people but that ain't everybody. That means a lot of that generation, real, real generational wealth is is that long, old, old money? Yeah. Uh, not participating truly in it in the way that you think it is. So you need to be helping your generations, your family, your friends, and shut up with that whole, I had to do all this my way, so you need to start from scratch too. Yo, you gonna just keep your family in its lower place in a lower place than it deserves if you always think that you need to know how to engage people properly so you know that they're not going to just hear this and just use this and not remember that they need to know the struggles even if they're not experiencing them know the depth of them so they respect them mm -hmm. i don't need to burn my hand on the fire <laughs> you could have just told me <laughs> yeah i think you know, you bring up a great point and not even from the monetary standpoint, because that's their prerogative, right? I made a billion dollars. I want to keep it within my family, whatever, whatever. That's your prerogative. From the intellectual capital, just the what we call the barber room, barbershop talk. Mm -hmm. The barbershop talk that is not passed down from, you know, all the, the executives uh, from, you know, and I'm talking about not just not just from I don't want to say the super wealthy African American executives, obviously. Just talking about the mod what we consider moderately wealthy, high wealth, high net orders. And we know some of them that are not passing that knowledge down because there's there is a perception that if I was able to do it, you should be able to do it too. If I came from poverty, you should be able to come from poverty too. Hey, you're from Africa. Hey, too bad. We, I grew up in whatever, St. Louis. I grew up from Southside Chicago. I, Africa ain't shy rap. You know how many times I've heard that? You know, all those things where it's like our struggle is one, is one in the same because we're all, we're all being uh, suppressed by somewhere, by people in a, in, a, in a 
system that doesn't want to see people like us attain real wealth and power. So I think that, you know, for uh, for me, it's important to mentor. Um, and I think I urge everyone else to just kind of say, like, pass down that intellectual capital. And for young people who are, who want to do the right things or who are trying to come to that environment, I also challenge them to say, go seek it out and go get it. Okay. If you see, if you, like, I was just, like I said, we were just coming up. If you see a fly, uh, executive, that's how I do it, man. That's how some of my mentors come from. I go see a fly black executive, man. They got the, the shoes, they got, you know how we dress when we get up there. They're, it's flamboyant, it's nice. I see they're up to something, I respect it. I go up there, I holler, and I say, hey, my name is, what do, what do you do? You know, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I see a young fly brother, with, with the because I know when it comes when it comes to getting to that level of success, there's a boldness, there's a brashness that you have to walk walk yourself with in order to even come with those type of those type of clothes. There's also a real sense of security of who are who they are as a person, and who they are as uh, as a people. So that's why I always go out and say go go seek that knowledge out from older people. So I'll always be seeking that knowledge out, and just make sure that it it fits well within your program. And let's be clear. The guy sweater that he has on right now is clearly good quality. <laughs> it's dope. What is the brand of that? You don't, have to tell us. you don't have to tell us. You really don't have to tell us. I'm making a point. Yeah. The guy has on a clean, nice sweater. And it's not logoed out. <laughs> we're not talking about logos when we're sitting here talking about dressing nicely and, 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 and looking a certain way. We're talking about the actual material, the actual value of the actual product that you're putting on and you see somebody that looks a certain way. And we're not talking about somebody that's just walking around with a logo. Why? Because they don't, they're not focused on the name brand. Mm -hmm. They're present trying to make sure their name is a brand. It's the big difference. <laughs> Some people think that we gotta wear name brands. That way, my name matters. But it's really the fact that you're raising all these other names up that people can see and they can't see you. But when you drop those names and make sure you're more visible while being clean, when Brock walks in the room, don't nobody give a dang what he's wearing. If if LeBron walks in a room with no logo of his Nike gear, he probably well, wearing you know, Nike. You know, the goal is. To where did he get that from? Where did he get that from? It looks nice on him. You yeah. don't know. Nobody knows where he gets it from. You just know it looks nice on him. <laughs> and that's why you approach him and ask him that question. Maybe not Barack. <laughs> right. But but nonetheless, you like you gotta do this. So let's let's get back to it, man. We in the middle of a fashion discussion. This is a really good conversation. I'm enjoying this one. Um, I enjoy all of all of my interviews by watching just for clarity <laughs> but this was it, it's been fun because it's just it's a little bit unorthodox compared to the ones that we usually do but do me a favor bring it back yeah. break down the actual path that you took to get to your actual profession and <laughs> let's start in college so we know the specific major the degree any minors that you may have had that helped you get to this position as well as just name the minors also mention if you did any internships, please keep it in order so we actually can follow the story and so gotcha. the person can truly see the actual path. Yeah, it's gonna be a little long, longer story. It's a little under you can concise it, but I understand. Yeah, yeah. So got to got to Central in two thousand 
2014, came from a junior college. So um, it's coming in kind of raw. That first year, didn't really do too much. I uh, was trying to play football. Couldn't really play, couldn't play football because it would take me three years to graduate just because transfer. So I went to school, kind of just figured out my, my path. Didn't have any suits, man. Didn't have any, nothing. Just coming straight from the from the hood, coming from surviving JUCO. Still can't watch like uh, whatever those shows are where they show the JUCO. It's too much trauma. I forget. I forget. That's the that. show. What are you talking about? The, Last year's you. Yeah, that, nah, I can't watch it, man. I can't watch it. Too much trauma. Too much. I mean, peanut butter at the cup. The coach is laughing at you when you ask for a dollar to go to McDonald's or something. I mean, just too too much, man. But so just coming in. And they're laughing because they're not giving him a dollar because it's illegal and it's not something that coaches can do in college. Which <laughs> they convince you to come to their university. I'm a, I'm a Division one athlete. My dang self. Hey, so they convince you, you, know, you to come to the school by sending you to an expensive hotel, allow you to eat at these expensive restaurants. They they court you with all these things, and then you get there, and they can't even buy you three bags of chips because it will be a fine from NCAA. I'm telling you, and hey, listen, it, it it was bad. It was bad. That's not a route I take. Any I take. Uh, I'm telling anybody to take willingly. So, got so you to put JUCO first, because you you like I'm already in Central State. So, what was the JUCO? Yeah, so let's take you back to the JUCO before that. So, I had junior some, college, by the way, that's what JUCO is. Yeah, junior college. So, I had some opportunities at some D1 schools. Um, unfortunately, I failed senior English, man. Uh, with uh, what was it, 59.2? Failed senior English, 59.2. Uh, was eligible for my last two for my last two uh, games. Had to go the JUCO route, lost my two D1 scholarships, you know, one in the SEC, one um, in the Big East at the time. So it was just a real tough place. And then we were going to, I was going to go to a, to another junior college in Michigan. And that summer, you, it's funny you say that, that summer, that junior college got shut down for inappropriately paying student athletes. So I had to scramble, get to this JUCO <laughs> again. So I knew, you know, I wanted to be in business, something in business, but just didn't really, couldn't really find my path because I was focused on football at the time. Came to Central, took that year off uh, because uh, it was going to take me two more subsequent years. So I wanted to finish out school um, and play football at the same time. So one of those things where I just really found out what I wanted to do more and what steps I need to take it, take from it. So going, um, going to the different career fairs, man, going to career fairs, knowing how to talk to different organizations, knowing how to sell yourself, knowing how to brand yourself, knowing how to how to dress that that it's an art man um you you have to dress on campus you have to dress like the first day they're going to see you in their office no ifs ands or buts um so just finding out the minute things and getting challenged i remember one of the things that i remember repeating in the story was an investment banker from morgan stanley coming so it's funny remember i told you i wanted to do that first and then there was this guy uh his robert burks he moved since moved out to the east coast we still keep in touch on linkedin but he was an investment banker and for Morgan Stanley at the time. And he, I was just, you know, sharing with him. It was a kind of in a group format setting. I was like, hey, I don't have any, any suits. Like I, I didn't know where to get some suits and the career fair was coming up. He looked at me dead in my eye, just like with aggression, man. He's shorter, like five, four guy, but you know, suited, booted, five, five. He just looked at me, he's like, man, listen, I understand. You know, obviously he's, he's from that background too. And he just said, you know, flat out, I understand that 
it's a lot of things going on in your life personally, but you got to give me something. He's like, you got to give me something. Walmart, shirt, tie, slacks, something. And you just so vehement. Like, you, you don't got to go get the full piece, but you got to give me something. And from there, man, just kind of from there, it just kind of took off. Um, I eventually ended up being Mr. elected Mr. College of Business there. And essentially, man, the key to my success was basically you have to know career services, bro. You have to be in career services every week, flat out. Most students you talk to won't even know where career services is at Central or on their campus. You know what a CAF is. You damn sure know what financial aid is. You don't know where career services is. The main goal for college is to build and get a career, okay? Not to go have fun. And, you know, it's, it's all fun and games. It's like, you're going to have fun for the rest of your life, bro. Relax. Calm down. Come on. Remember where we at, all right? Just I'm just saying. That you, that, I am remember where I'm No, 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 no. I'm saying literally remember your space where you are in this conversation. Oh. So I hit time out. And we still, we still obviously go in an interview. But I'm saying time out because I'm curious to know if that is a cultural thing. Because um, I know you, you said, mentioned you're from Senegal. I'm curious to know if because I'm not talking about having fun, but I am talking because we've had, not me and you, but I've had conversations many times where we're talking about the, 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 the former, the top politicians in our country, when they send their kids off to school, they're not focusing their kids solely on the degrees. They're sending their kids off to build the relationships with the other former president's kids, with the other senator's kids, so that they can continue to build wealth and their network and have the power that they need to move in the way they want to or do the things they want to do with and in this country. And a part of universities, a major part of universities, I would argue is not the education. The education would, I would say, be second to some degree. I didn't say anything about the education. Okay. I, I, education is third. I just want to make sure because I was like, no, wait, no, no, wait, no, no, wait, no. Wait. I didn't say education is third in my eyes. I didn't say anything about it. Network, I would put second. Okay, okay. Well, I, mean, I would put the network first only because I, I would put with in the, our, in our, no, I, tell, I understand what you're saying, but they already have a head start. They already my, have something in the, that's what, that's what, that's my point. We do not. You need to stabilize yourself. You talking about the, degrees? No, not with degrees. I'm talking about with career, finding your purpose. Oh, yeah, I, I, I separate the career. You know what I'm saying? The career and the purpose comes first to me. Then it's the network. Then it's your education. Because like my education allows me to learn new things and to be able to process information. You know, I, I don't use my finance skills that that often unless you know we're doing financial analysis or things like that. Most of it is insurance, which I had to learn. So I said to say, like, you should go to college. For us, many in our background is finding your purpose and that career to kind of start you off. So that one, you're building, you're building new skills. And I'm not saying you have to do it forever. But I'm learning a lot of skills. I'm happy in my role. They treat me good. And I'm bringing value to folks. So right now, I'm in a winning environment. But if you just, you know, try to go at it with an entrepreneurial mindset, you didn't, although you might grow the network, you don't have the funds, you don't have the skills. When you're starting from zero 
where we're coming from, that's a different conversation than, you know, already coming up and having these insurance conversations at 14 and 12, being able to have money to start business ventures when you're 22 and things like that. So the, all I'm saying is that our path is different, not necessarily we shouldn't, we shouldn't um, value the relationships and things like that. We just can't look at it in the lens of white America. That's not our reality. That's, our reality is like, we have to go to, to college and work <laughs> and get our family out of poverty and you know tackle ground A, then we can move to ground two. And unfortunately that just is what it is. Yeah, so I'll say this and then I definitely want you to finish your path. Um, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying and I get it. Um, I recognize that my perspective. So I have a story, I'm not gonna tell it today. It's kind of longish, but frankly, a part of me is I've always been purpose driven. Like before I try to find purpose in something, mm-hmm. I know what my purpose is. Mm-hmm. Like that. Before I came to college, I knew what my purpose and what my intent was. Mm-hmm. And then the career and all those other things would serve that purpose. So when I say what I'm saying, like the, the education is already aligned. Well, at least I thought it was, and it was to some degree um, with my actual purpose. It really was, it, it gave me skills, but I could have acquired other degrees. I didn't have that exposure to know that. Um, but I didn't truly, I built the relationships, but I didn't truly understand until later, um, the greater value I could have gotten from college had I aligned my purpose. I know my career and right there, smack dab in the middle is the networks that I'm building intentionally. Cause like I was going to say a B plus average student with a friend whose family is a part of one of the largest companies in Cincinnati because we have a lot of Fortune 500 companies here. And that person may be able to tell his family member, this is this guy is reliable. He gets, his, gets the job done. And all these are true, even with a B plus average. You could get a job that leapsfrog your valedictorian because they're just smart without the network. They may have networks. I'm just saying. So that, that's no, all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, but, oh, yeah, absolutely. but, but finish the path, man. I, I'm sorry for cutting you off, dog. I'm sorry yeah, for cutting I'm, you off. I'm definitely a testament to that. But yeah, so state of career services, getting back to the story of how I got matriculated into this industry, state of career services. And, and that was really the short of it, man. I stayed in career services. I got some opportunities. I mean, it was like as so much development wasn't there. First of all, just stay, sending out basic emails. I could not do that. I, I did not know how to send out basic emails and formatting all those other things. So it just kind of sharpened me and just not being embarrassed of where you were at, not being embarrassed of that and just taking that in and saying, okay, I know my goals. I know where I'm trying to go. And I know these are the tools and resources. So <clears throat> fought, fought through that, man. Uh, got, got an internship op- opportunity uh, with the insurance brokers, did the internship opportunity. So let me back up prior to the internship opportunity, man. Had an interview. <clears throat> and this is why I always tell people, trust your guts, man. Had an interview. I knew it was going to be a little bit different um, just because of the type of environment and, and who I was going to be interviewing with. I was going to be interviewing with the CEO's son. So it was just, you know, I had a, had a beard at the time, long beard, way longer than I, than I am now, obviously coming from intern. So I was not in a position where I am now, where I can, hey, tell you, I'm growing my beard out, you can go kick rocks, I don't care. But, you know, 
I just had a gut feeling, so I shaved my beard, bro. I shaved my beard my my senior year going for the interview. And I mean, bro, totally ridiculed at school, man. Clown on, joning on me like I just got the fresh fade. You know what I mean? And it was something where in, the, in that moment, it, did, it didn't bother me because I knew the environment where I was going into. You know, I knew the reality of what I needed to do in order to get, get this job. So <clears throat> again, the, my mentors were, this was, uh, another one of my men, he became a long-term mentor and still, still is a long-term mentor of me. That's something that he suggested. And it wasn't necessarily that I didn't understand at the time, but he was trying to make sure and ensure I had the best opportunity and nothing was going to stop me back because they do judge us, man. This is a reality of, I am a six, seven African-American black guy uh, with the big beard and people don't, if they don't know me, they see me walking, uh, you know, jogging and I'm big, heavy and, and puffing, you know, everybody thinks a certain way. That's just the reality of the world we live in. So shaved it, got the, got the interview. It was a really hard interview, man. It was, uh, did a lot of lot of research. So do a lot of research, man, before you go into any of these interviews. Don't take anything for granted. One of the things that really saved me was on there, I saw that they did a circuit interview. So it was two hour interview, 30 minutes each. And I, was, I wasn't prepared. I didn't think that's how my interview was gonna go. And that's what it ended up being, you know? So I was prepared because I saw those things. So got an internship, really saw what the job was about. Uh, accepted the offer after the, after uh, my graduation. So I graduated 2017, worked for two and a half, three years uh, with that organization, just learning from the ground up, doing a lot of projects, um, leading a lot of projects, learning more about the industry, upgrading the swag as we talked about, right? And just getting my feet under me and just came over into this new world at the beginning of this year. So um, where I'm with Marsh. So it was one of those things where you learned a lot, did a lot of internships, but just you gotta put the work in, the effort in and just, <laughs> Take your time, man. You can't go to every party. Don't worry about that. Make sure you're at the career fair. Dress appropriately. That three years, four years flies by quickly, man. Just make sure you dress appropriately. Make sure you're doing the right things. Make sure you keep a fresh cut, bro. If you got a dress, go get them locked up. Go get them locked up. Do your thing. No one's, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you the whole no beard, no hair. Just know your environment. Do what you got to do for your environment. Keep it tight, bro. Don't be having no beard. Me, I'm so I'm currently uh, recovering from COVID too. So that's why I'm kind of kind of roughed up. But yeah, I always keep a fresh beard, bro. Keep a fresh beard, keep all of that and just always do the things you need to do in order to get to the next level. Don't worry about anything else. Uh, just believe in yourself, man. Okay, well, I'll say this because I still need you to say what the specific degrees were. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. So, uh, so I ended up getting my degree in accounting and a degree in business administration with management and finance concentration. So um, currently what I do is in the insurance field, but I do use some of my accounting background and some of the finance uh, and just general business background in the insurance uh, field. So that's what I got my degrees in. I think it's, um, again, I always lent I always wanted to do something in business. So I started off with just business administration and central. And then um, a ment again, a mentor of mine convinced me that adding accounting was going to be something really valuable for me. Uh, so that's what actually made me, it took me extra time to, a year to graduate because I added a degree um, to that. And it just kind of, again, look, looking back four, three years, four, well, four or five years ago, when it was really hard to get those 
to get to those classes, looking back on it, it definitely increased my market value and helped me get to uh, where I got to. Can you tell me, uh, you don't have to say the name of the company, but when we're, th- you mentioned you had several internships. Yeah. What were you doing for those internships? Did they pay also? <laughs> yes, they paid. <laughs> I never worked for an internship that doesn't pay. That's just. That ain't true. Some of them, I mean, if, if it's the dream job, I've heard, I got many stories okay. that are in good. My, in my opinion, in my opinion, you should not work for an internship that doesn't pay because then that's a reflection of either the industry or the company and where they're at and their willingness in, to invest down the road is kind of negligent. That's just me. But Charlemagne literally talked about how he was able to get his job because of that. that. Radio was different. Come on Les now. Brown, Les Brown talked about how he was pretty much begging to get the job. He got the job and he was just delivering coffee and following through with things. And he was pretty much working for free. You know radio is different. Diddy. You know radio is different. Diddy. How about that? Does, does Diddy work? Is, is he good enough? We'll agree. We'll agree to disagree. We'll agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, like, I, because people, I, I, I preach on here a lot, so I'm I'm gonna push it back, and I and I appreciate. Yeah, I, I forgot the question. The person who doesn't agree with me, I appreciate you giving that, but I'm gonna fight against the idea that free work doesn't pay off because free work. Gives no, 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 I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I did not say that. No, look, no. look, 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 look. If here, here's my argument. Yeah. If the college, if the university's newspaper yeah. is willing to pay me for a semester internship. And yet the Cincinnati Inquirer said you can work for us for free for the next two months doing something, doing, usually I would assume they would pay, but nonetheless, if we're gonna allow you to do that- I'm taking the Inquirer job. I'm meeting somebody at that job. Yeah, because now you're getting put on a resume, Inquirer. So I'm just highlighting like- Not even that, not even putting it on the resume. I'm gonna meet- Somebody at that inquiry job is gonna change my life. That's gonna get me. I'm not meeting anybody at the university, so I understand. What Three pays off is all I'm saying, man. It does. It does. Keep, keep, go ahead and talk about your internships and how you got paid, it, which is a big deal because people in college is broke as heck. So to get paid in the internship, it is valuable, and it hey. don't push your university, your education. And Those summers, hey, I, I thought I was a millionaire, man. You getting them them internship checks, but no, it was a lot of experience, and more importantly, it it led me to find out why I didn't want to do um, investment banking. It was just a lot more stale. I couldn't control my hours. Um, it was it was regimented. So I got an internship opportunity with the insurance and risk management firm. Really was able to see the difference in the industry specifics uh, pre- than previously with, uh, with investment management. So I was able to control my schedule a little bit more. I was able to, uh, you know, have different conversations, different types of networking events, uh, different business development roles. And I was able to use my accounting and finance background to also, you know, do business presentations, analysis and different things like that. So it was just kind of a mixture of, you know, the the healthcare aspect of it. Uh, I come from a healthcare background. My mom was a a doctor back back home before she came to the United States. So just being able to help, help the welfare of people and also being able to use kind of my business um, analytics and business aspect as far as the sales and, and helping organizations to kind of propel, propel them forward to have healthier organizations what made me decide that this is what I wanted to do versus the other options I had and then the final part was that just the, some of the mentors I had 
were really adamant about me coming into this industry. They thought I had everything that um, that was required to be successful in this industry. So that's kind of what led me to make that decision. So I did have some amazing offers with some amazing organizations um, and I still chose to come uh, and, and pursue this career because I felt like it was the best fit and I, it was going to be something I was going to be the most successful at. Okay. How did you come to that conclusion? Yeah, it's, it's that gut feeling, man. You got to have that gut feeling. Um, it was, I left a lot of money on the table, man. So the organization- uh, Give me I, a number. We talk real numbers on here. Yes, it was an organization in Seattle. I'll leave it at that. And it was going to be, you know, a good, good uh, role. But I left, man, 30K on a sign-in bonus. I left, I left 45, I left 50K on on the table with the role. Wow. Uh, on the table and this is tough man everybody in my school thought i was crazy for not accepting it sign on bonus immediately was 15k another 15 after the first year and, and you know some crazy incentives but the type of although i knew i was i had the, i had it was a finance predominantly finance and accounting role with my experience and other with the investment banking i knew that it was something that i didn't didn't want to do long-term or something that wasn't going to make me get up every day and really have a passion. I just felt that I was going to set myself up for failure with that. And it was, again, name on the resume. That's why sometimes I got to disagree with that because the name on the resume would have probably set me up for life. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the, if I would have got that job, I mean, there aren't many, the way I, I got that job was even way crazier than this one because it was through Thurgood Marshall College Fund. Like I got it out in DC. So it's just a crazy situation that I even ended up getting a job and being blessed um, to be able to do it. But it wasn't the right fit and my, I wasn't going to be passionate about it. And no matter, you know, it was going to make my, my family better that day. It was going to make everything better that day. Um, if I would have, or that first year, I think a lot more people would have been happy. But for me, it just didn't drive that passion. That first year, that second year, you know, I was at my, at my role that I chose. I've just felt that hunger, that passion to go out and get it. So you got to go with your gut. So that's the reason why I said what I said earlier about people pursuing these high numbers, man. It's for me, like, I know that I personally want to make a certain level of income for many of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also stress on here, that's that Monday morning conversation I talk about, about not waking up and hating Mondays. And that's exactly what I'm getting at. Sometimes you'll make that sacrifice and that sacrifice is absolutely necessary because that sacrifice is leading you in the life that you actually want to live. So you're talking about being passionate and enjoying it. And frankly, money can't buy that sometimes, many times. So the salary may have been great, but the money was not going to pay for what you actually received. And that is worth more. And you knew what you wanted to do. You knew your purpose. So yeah, sometimes certain moves are going to make you better. And I think you're talking about that. I just need people to recognize that. Yeah. The title, the the price is a heck of a sacrifice. And that's even more respectable and commendable on your end that you were able to make that sacrifice and recognize, Hey man, this is the person I want to be like, actually the person that the, the, the place in mind I want to be in when I wake up and I do this. So Regardless of eating 50K that didn't happen, I'm, there's so many people out there probably making 250 
that would give you 50K just to have what you have when you wake up in the morning. So I mean that that that's important in itself for people to catch, man. That 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 that's that's amazing, uh, and I, I'm I'm really happy to hear that. Um, want to say something about the junior college because I don't know what your what your actual if you have any student loan debt or anything like that, but college debt. I will say this though, that is a slept on thing. Yes, I went to one college my whole uh, career, and obviously that's a lot of people's dreams, especially as athletes. No one's hoping to go to a junior college. But if we're talking about finances, the community college is one of the most slept on opportunities. You go there two years, save thousands of dollars mm -hmm. to get an associate's degree that allows you to get entrance into another university for the four-year degree. So you literally did four years, but you may, you may have cut how much debt or how much you had to pay in half. Like aesthetically talking to friends and saying, I want to try C. I remember try C. Unfortunately, I remember on high school, we made fun of try C and that that's Cle uh, Cleveland community college or Cuyahoga community college, my bad, Cuyahoga community college. But it's like, no, like that was a legit opportunity for you to really set yourself up financially and then maybe go to another school. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's just, it's, it's, it's an often understated thing because of a situation like you mentioned academics, which may have put you there, which is even better because obviously you show that you can have educational struggles and then still reach good heights and be successful in college. So that's, that's dope in itself. But yeah, go ahead, man. I hear, I see you want to say something. I want to speak, speak to that about the community college. So my sister, uh, she's, she's currently in Senegal, but she's going to come back here and we're just having that conversation. And she needs, you know, a gap year to kind of strengthen up her English and, and all that. Say what a gap year is, because a lot of people don't, especially so, our community ain't heard of a gap year. Yeah, a gap year is just a year, you know, that you take off from high school to uh, before you attend college in order to, you know, some people to just, to, to actually work, find a little bit more about their passion, just find out about themselves, travel, whatever the case is, before you go into college. So in her situation, you know, she's lived in Senegal most of her life. Uh, she's coming back to the United States and she is, uh, I was just telling her, you know, she wants to go, she just told me she wants to go to UCM or do business administration. I'm like, okay, you know, that's no, no problem. I'll do the business administration route. I understand why she might not want to go to an HBCU, like how I would want her to go to because she uh, didn't necessarily grow up in, uh, in the United States. So she doesn't really understand that the, or even know the reference about HBCU. So she's got that watered down, go to the, you know, the predominantly white universities. You get yeah, HWCUs are, are always what people see most frequently as the option to acquire, to go to. Right, right. And, and that's the same in her, in, in her case, right? But just talking about how, hey, you should go to a community college. You should go to Cincinnati State because one, it's gonna, it's gonna be less debt. You're taking a gap year plus two years to learn up your English. Then you can matriculate to UC. After you've learned English, your debt is low. You know how to do college life. You know how to go get that, get that, get that internship junior year, senior year, you get to do your out. Meanwhile, you come in there, you're wasting time freshman year. You wasting time sophomore year, you party, you doing all this. You don't even know what you're doing. You only, you, you paying the same, you know, 30K. You don't even, you barely know what you're doing. You're like a zombie. You're like a zombie going through there. And then you wake up junior year, or that some people be. It took me like I woke up latest junior year, senior year, boom, never look back. You know, never look back. But 
I think that, you know, my debt now is a lot better than the junior college route. So it's just about having that plan and just, you know, just like thinking about having your plan. Don't go through school like a zombie. And let's be clear. If you go to Cincinnati State, I'm telling you secrets. There's obviously certain things like a library and having a car to get in, get on the computer. So a student card and all that stuff is important. But I'd say a secret. I, ain't, I, I didn't live this life, but in hindsight as an adult, if I if I wanted to finesse that whole situation and build the relationship knowing I'm going to go to since UC, what am I going to do? I'm going to learn everything at Cincinnati State and right down the street is UC's campus. So I'm going to go to Tangerman Center, TUC, the student center, and I'm going to do my homework in there, talk to people, build relationships. Yeah, I may struggle with certain access, but as you build relationships, people will swipe you into the cast. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because they... At least during my time period, we always had way too many swipes that we couldn't eat all of. So you swipe yeah. friends in all the time. Yeah. Or if you was a, 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 a teammate, you're going to swipe me in, freshman. Nonetheless, though, I live that off-campus line that said, Joe. I definitely wasn't a while, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm just saying there's ways to build that relationship, um, some of those things, and go to those events without being – an immediate student you can get some of those, those those experiences like no one's you go to class there and most times we we assume by you being on uc's campus our age and t- and doing his tests or, or or studying that you go there yeah. <laughs> no one's actually gonna ask generally hey do you go here yeah. it's like i'm i'm studying ain't i you still yeah, didn't answer the question. Going back to that, to that passing down of knowledge, like you were saying, man, and just passing down the little nuances that'll help someone else get through their situation. Definitely, man, definitely. So, with the salary conversation point in this interview, because we're almost done, um, tell us those numbers that you had as an intern since you're past that lifestyle. So, because I want people to always know um, what they're getting themselves into and what financially life could look like. And then I want you to discuss, I'm not looking for your actual current salary. I want to be clear. Um, I want, especially your first job, the first profession you had, if you're willing to share that number, great. If you're not, I really want to hear the opening salary, the entry level salary. And I want to hear what the cap is for your profession. And also what's the entry level salary for your, your profession as well, your current job. So, so let's start at the at the, at the uh, internship salaries. Yeah, I think the internships, you know, I think uh, I started off my working career making what, $9.850 at McDonald's, man, whatever minimum wage was. I scrapped McDonald's. Year. What was the intern? What, what yeah, was- yeah, no, no, I'm just saying. So I got to the internship, I think I was like 15. I think I, I thought I was getting paid like 15, 17, something like that. I think one was 15, one was 17. Man, you couldn't tell me nothing, boy. You couldn't. <laughs> You said nine dollars, bro. I was making seven dollars, whatever the minimum wage was. Whatever it was, yeah. Oh. I don't think it was nine. I'm perfect. I'm perfect. Like it's nine. No, it was probably like seven fifty, something like that. It was. It was for sure something like that. Yeah. Man. Well, not twenty ten. I'm thinking my freshman year. That was. Yeah. Oof, it was probably my. Oh yeah, I was, yeah. That was twenty ten, twenty eleven. That was for me. But yeah, so um, so during the internship, was made fifteen to seventeen. Good money, I think, you know, saved up. Uh, my phone broke, was able to, to get a phone. That was the last time I got an iPhone, actually. So this is uh, going to get replaced soon here. It's a seven, you know. You ain't got to promote them. They ain't paying us. 
so that was that I, you know save up man save up so don't go blowing it things obviously happen um so got a few offers senior year i ended up with about four or five offers um the offers range from between forty four thousand dollars per annually and i think you know the the final offer i was speaking of was uh it was around 70 I think it was 68 before the bonuses. So made, uh, you know, I had one for 44, one for 50K a year, one for like 52, and then one for uh, 60, 68 out, out in Seattle with, with all the bonuses and, and things like that on top of that. So um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it was crazy because with all my offers, man, I took like my second lowest offer and I, like it was crazy how I made more than my mom, and it was just like off of. I was like, "How did she? This don't make sense." Yeah, you you don't think about the numbers tangible, so you start getting paid. And you're like, "Bro, I'm not getting paid anything." But yet the reality, like literally, and I'm a very financially conservative, very financially conservative, and I was struggling, my man. And um, you're like, "Yeah, you know, fifty percent of America will never see anything more to pass this." He also lived in a very nice apartment in the actual downtown area of Cincinnati. I want to be clear about that. It was actually downtown Cincinnati. Mm. And the size of the apartment was actually large. As soon as a roommate leaves, I'm like in a little shack. So you just have what you want. <laughs> clear for everyone listening to him talk about his finances. He was paying significantly more for significantly less than what he could have had so, for the same price. So I could do. That was lied. No, you I chose not to be downtown. You took the privilege no, of not having to Mario, get on the bus and come out to work. You tell me about no, that is not true. With the roommate, it was lower than with myself and any other place. We oh, chose. okay. With the roommate, I thought you were just talking about the. Okay, okay. No, no, no. Not just no. It wasn't me. I'm not in the penthouse. I'm not there yet. Trust me. I will not buy for anything. I don't got it. You were on penthouse level though. Right. <laughs> on the penthouse level, it's though. Two, two, two people. Get a roommate, man. There was a pool literally outside of your, your room. I'm talking about you. I don't think you came to the first to the second apartment. That was okay. Nice. Okay. First one. okay. All right. I give you. I give you that. I just we ain't gonna downplay your your, your success. But that's what we not. No. Nah, so I think it was you know, it was it was crazy receiving those offers just getting those into my email like it was it was wild man so the job i did take i was making fifty thousand um to start 48 yeah it was like 48 49 something like that Not, it was like 50 pre uh pre-tax so that you know uh was very i felt very blessed very fortunate it doesn't seem like a lot of money retrospectively uh looking back on it and it's not but that's entry level um for, for the sales role. Uh, like I said, I left like 50,000 50, on the table with the other offer, but it was something that I felt like I could grow quickly. Um, you, so mentioned, you mentioned uh, your bonus obviously mixed with the salary and you were in a sales role. So I'm just curious, was there any commission involved as well? So were there three levels of opportunity or was commission not involved? It's just all salary and bonus. <laughs> No, it was it was uh, base plus. So you had I had a base salary of fifty thousand, and anything I sold above that um, would be a, a commission. So it basically, you know, if I got an organization to come on, and we charged them 
$50,000 for consulting fees, I would get, you know, 40% or 30%, 40% first year uh, new sales revenue. So I think my, my biggest case was like 68,000. Uh, it was like 30, whatever the bonus came out to, and then I had to split it with, with, with someone. So I think my biggest case, I ended up making like 12, 15 grand on it. Um, so that just gives you some, some uh, idea of it. And this is, you know, that, that was like, a very, that, that was a medium sized case. You know, some people have cases that are $100,000 cases, $120,000 cases. It just depends on, on the complexity of uh, providing the services for the account. So I got the base salary and then I was out hunting and I uh, was able to land a few cases. And obviously you coming in, you had to split those with people, right? So you had to, I had to play the split game and, you know, he lost a lot of money that way or, but I was like, hey, it is what it is. I was able to take care of some things for the family, myself, um, and now in my new role. So again, it's base plus, so I receive an annual salary that I negotiated. Um, it just depends on on where you're coming in, your level of experience and, and things of that nature. Um, so it, it just depends. I think for me personally, because I had some experience, I was able to negotiate a little bit higher base, base salary and just, again, having those mentors to kind of walk me down through that nuance and say, hey, this is what you're looking for. Hey, you've had two to three years of experience. Not only did you start this, you brought in, so this is what you're need, gonna need to go for. And then, and then not shooting too high. Understanding it's because there's a range doesn't necessarily mean you go and push that range all the way to the um, to this length. So for me, just understanding that and negotiating my new salary and some of the new things definitely was beneficial. Okay, all right, man. Did you, uh, I know you mentioned different salaries in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Did you mention what the salary range is for your current profession? So for my current, current position? For, for my current position, I mean, it, it, it ranges so, I'm not, you know, I don't lead our office or anything, so I'll, I'll do a guesstimate. Um, like an entry was, level for your position and the potential height. So entry level, we'll, we'll, we'll go with 50,000 because, um, you know, that's why I came in just a few years ago. And I think that's- For vice president. Well, my my organization doesn't do anything lower lower than that. So that's kind of how I got, got to Mars. They don't really, we don't really have the, they do have some of the lower level, but it doesn't, they, we, they prefer to hire in for experienced hires. Like three years is, is a great experience hire for them. So that's why I said, I'll stay at 50,000. 50, that's the associate. And then basically you're coming in to the vice president or to, to the full-time role, employee benefits consultant. And then it's like the vice president role. So if you're like an associate, I would say, you know, entry level is 50,000. If you're, you know, employee benefits consultant, meaning that if you're coming from like another industry or just got some general business experience, you know, you're looking at a range from about between 70 to 120. You know, I would say probably about 60, 60 to 120 in that range if you've got some moderate. On um, vice president role, I would I'd probably say, again, you probably come in between, you know, 90 to 100, depending on your experience all the way to 250,000, 300,000 base salary. So there is a wide range based on the book of business, um, what you're able to manage and different things like that. For my salary, you, you can go, you know, like I said, it's between probably 100 to all the way to 300,000 that you can you can get um, within, this in, within this industry at my role. So 
you know, there are different people that lead niches and um, very, you know, are focused, you know, there's some people that we have that are just focused on Fortune 500 companies in the manufacturing space and that's all they do. You know, obviously with specialization, you get people that go to the 400, 500,000, 600,000 salary range. And this is, you know, might sound a little crazy, but, and things like that, but it, it's not, as you build the skills, the competencies, you're able to lead teams, um, you're able to, to deliver results to clients, you're able to save them millions of dollars by doing pharmacy analysis and things like that. You start to become well, highly compensated. It's a very lucrative field, insurance brokerage field. So for example, you know, I look at an email of my CEO, you know, public record, I happen to know he makes, you know, 17 million, whatever the case is, 18 million. It's a very lucrative field, but it's, it's not one that's very well known. And even like I said, the middle managers, um, it's not uncommon for them to make a million dollars in a year. So it's not uncommon for a vice president. So let's say, you know, I've been doing it 10 years. There's some people that they don't aspire to do anything more than be in a position where I'm at because it's a recurring business. So if you bring in an organization, you have a, a $400,000 book of business, $500,000 book of business. And, and that's kind of low, right? Let's say you have a 1.2, which is common, like a $1.2 million book of business, right? Or a million dollar book of business, 40% renewal, that's $400,000, right? And on top of that, you're getting 60% on any new business. So let's say you got a book of a million dollars, I'm getting 40% on the renewal, that's $400,000. I have a year, a $250,000 year, you're bringing, you know, that's well over $500,000, $600,000 every year. So that's that's normal. And I really mean that, like, to emphasize that, that someone that has had a career in 10 years in insurance brokerage, 15 years in insurance brokerage, you can expect that to be bringing in that amount of money because of the businesses that they've accumulated, the new, the newitized nature of our business, and so on and so forth. Okay. Man, I appreciate that, man. Uh, any takeaways that you want to share with anybody? No, nah, man, I just want to say, well, I, first of all, I appreciate you uh, having me on. I think it's just one of those takeaways where I, I tend to ramble a lot, but just focusing on you, man, uh, is the biggest thing. I, my biggest advice is whatever the path uh, may be for you, whatever you can glean away from our conversation is just take the time to take away what's going to make you better, implement it, and uh, move forward. Okay. What I'm taking away from what you shared today is, and, and I must stress this to people because frankly, people hear this. And I, I remember doing, like I cut for a couple interviews, I cut all of this off and subtracted my life back to high school. Look, <laughs> um, nonetheless, people sometimes miss because they're trying to always be real, uh, ex ex have people accept you. And what they miss is, this is like what I wear my clothes yeah, that may be a branding aspect of me, but it is not who I am. Who I can still show up as myself and still groom myself in a way that's going to be more accepted and palatable for my environment. I may not want to do that, but that may be what I need to do. There's a process in understanding and respect in the process. As you see, my guy got a beard now, and as you see, I have my mustache and my beard now and we're both working and enjoying our jobs. But to understand the environment, understand does not take away from yourself. Sometimes you need to adjust. And the second part is, is and I stress this, people say don't judge a book by its cover. 
But here's the catch. You shouldn't put a cover on a book that has nothing to do with it. If it's a cookbook, do not put the cover, <laughs> do not make the cover a freaking car. Yeah. Like I do not want to see that or a physics cover. Mm-hmm. Put a food book covering <laughs> on a food book. That's all I'm saying. And yeah. if you want to stand out, make sure that you are on your stuff and you qualify to stand out. Because if you show up in a room in Peacock and you ain't got nothing in your brain, you have made yourself stand out not in the way that you want to. So if you got nothing in your brain and you're trying to learn as a young person, as most of us will, maybe you should learn how to come into that environment the way that everyone else looks, fit in, and once you really get a good understanding of what that is and how you're credible, then Mm -hmm. stand out. That way when you stand out, you don't look dumb. Uh, but I got a lot of that from what you said. That's a lot of what I gathered, bro. I appreciate your time. Your wrist keeps showing out and shotting out your organization. Um, I, I, like to give people, I like to give people a moment to go ahead and acknowledge they, they organizations. You don't want to acknowledge it? I mean, everybody knows Alpha is Alpha. You know, we, we, we don't need that much acknowledgement. We already be working. You know, we're doing a lot of great things in the community, but it's fraternity world. But, you know. There are a lot of great ones out there that other people can go check out. Uh, you know, just go check out, you know, some of those things. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> love in general, man. You got to love the MPHC. I absolutely recognize that everyone has their organization. And I'm always for supporting all of my fraternity organizations out there because everyone brings great value. Everyone's principles may not be your principles, but to know certain people's principles um, might allow you to truly be able to. <laughs> it's, it's, it's your podcast. I'm just, you know. I'm, I got you. I got you. No, but no, no, no. That's the one thing I will say before we head out is I hate the fact that we always are still getting divided in our fraternities. I like to bring people together, which is why I was really passionate about being a part of the national urban league because i could unify my people opposed to be so focused on our colors our hand signs and our principles being better than your principles because everybody is doing something dope in the mphc from your organization to the others there's nine of us so if i would have said your organization i'd have to do all nine i didn't feel like it (laughs) um but man thank you for your time man i hope you all got something from this uh if if you won't also look into the MPHC organizations that I mentioned, just since we shouted them out and we pretty much shout them out every single interview because most of my people just so happen to be a part of some amazing divine organizations. So like that, two of these. All right, man. Appreciate it. Hey, man, this was fun, man. This was fun. I definitely appreciate it. it was-